first. Welcome everyone to the Special Education Inner Circle Podcast. I'm your host, Catherine Witcher, and today we're here with Chris. And I'm super excited because quite honestly, I've been following Chris for a little while on Instagram. Um, he makes me happy. The way that he just talks about special education and just the joy that you bring, Chris, I just want to say, first of all, thank you for being here and thank you for what you're doing just out on social media, bringing some happiness to our special education community. Absolutely. I'm such a, so honored to be on here um, on your podcast and, and to connect with you because you are just so awesome. And I think that our worlds have, you know, really uh, meshed right together. So this will be awesome. Yeah, this is going to be super fun. So we're both like really high energy. And so for everybody who is like visually watching us, you can see we're like, we're like on the edge of our seats. Like we're like ready. We want to pour into you. Um, I have a feeling this isn't going to be our only conversation with Chris here at the Special Education Inner Circle podcast. So um, we have a hot topic though, that is very relevant. And before we jump into that, I want to find out, Chris, how did you end up at an IEP table? Excellent question. And this actually reflects back onto my childhood. So when I was in high school, my parents are both in education. And so in high school, um, my dad was a PE teacher and also a baseball coach. So I would go down there as the assistant coach. Um, as I transitioned into my college years, I started substituting his class. Now he was general education and in his class, he had a few students that were mainstreamed and one of them in particular had, uh, he had a, he had an assistant with him, a one-to-one -one aide. Um, every day for PE, he would dress up as Spider-Man. I kid you not, you can't make this stuff up. And so this was a, was a, a student that my dad said, Hey, if he wants to be Spider-Man for PE, he's going to be Spider-Man for PE. You know, the, there were some, there was some flexibility that my dad had always instilled on me. And he told me that my ability to work with some of those students was exactly aligned with how he wanted to raise me. The number one thing that I had ever learned in my life was from my dad. And it was this help others who need the most help, help others who need the most help. That's how you're going to live your life. And so from there, it rippled into me saying, this is what I want to do. I had initially wanted to be an English teacher and I said, nope, I'm going to go get my special ed credential. So I got my, my, my credential here in California, worked with mild, moderate disabilities for three years. And that was the start of it all. You know, I just really, that, that, that got me involved with IEPs that got me involved with learning the ropes on how to write IEPs and how to write goals and all of that stuff. That's, so that's not where you're at now, though. You're not a classroom teacher anymore. So tell right. us what's your what's your role right now in special education? So the starting point was special ed teacher. And then from there, there was, which is a very rare thing, there was a male SLP. Like at this time, this is in 2000, 2002. Tell our parents SLP. <laughs> we, we like to, what? so for everybody who's listening who didn't catch the acronym, what is it? It stands for awesome people. No, speech, <laughs> <laughs> speech language pathologist. Got so, it. You know what? If I say that three times fast, then I need a speech therapist to help me out. So, <laughs> <laughs> so there was this, yeah, this male SLP. He might've been like the only guy in the United States that was an SLP, a speech language pathologist. And I said, you know what, Steve, is there a way I could shadow you for one day? Because 
I'm here teaching 22 students and you're calling me and saying, hey, Mr. Winger, can I get two or three students for speech? And I'd always say, Steve, would you like 22? <laughs> and so um, I really liked what he did because it was more one-to-one. -one. It was more working specific with these goals. It was more helping these kids. How do we get these kids involved with having friendships connected with after-school programs, connected with their peers during class, being able to work well in the classroom? I mean, that was my ticket. So this was just all a stage for me to get to where I'm at now, which is the speech dude. I, my goal is really to work with, you know, specific to my niches, high school students on the spectrum. That's really what um, my, my area of specialty is. Um, but yeah, really, I just love it. It's, it's, and it's fun really having a perspective of, of the being a, a, a male in the field. I'm sure. So of course, you know, you're going to, you're our first male guest that's on the podcast. Cause this is not something, <laughs> this is not something that um, happens often where we have a, a male in special education who is a leader, uh, who is really uh, breaking boundaries. And you are, you're talking about things uh, that people don't talk about. And that's what we're going to talk about today. So we're in a really critical time in our education system where things have fallen apart. And in my opinion, we have the opportunity to put them back together better than ever. So our special education laws enacted in like 1975, that's really not that long ago. It's 45 years ago. We have the opportunity now that we've seen everything break to put it back together and to shift some mindsets that are a couple of decades old. And that's where it's really going to take teamwork, collaborative thinking, and we're going to have to rely on our resources like SLPs to really enhance the education because what we're finding with these school shutdowns, lockdowns, or hybrid models, or even going back to school with new social distancing rules that there's a lot of complications happening that we just can't go back and hit the books. Right. Absolutely. So what are you uh, going to be prioritizing or encouraging as we transition back in and you're looking at everybody that you're working with now and you're getting back in the schools and eventually all of us are going to get back in the schools we're determined, but we're going to get there. Yeah. What, what are you anticipating of needing to be a focus? What are you, some of your priorities going to be? And especially at that high school age, because I see a panic happening, especially in the parent community, that their children who are in high school, who are going to be aging out in the next, you know, three to six years of the system, they're scared. So what are some priorities that we can focus on? Right. I want to touch on that last topic real quick, because that's a huge one right there. You were right. There's a lot of parents and um, with their kids that are going to be aging out or they're going to be transitioning out here in the next year or maybe in the next five years. And I always think about that reverse engineering process of I, I'm a huge advocate of that, of saying, OK, where do you see your son or daughter in 10 years from now? Tell me that. And from there, whatever that response is is how we, we start our goals or we start our process. And so that's a big thing for me right now too is, okay, we're looking forward in five years. Would you like to see your son or daughter? Is it in, is it in, a, in a workplace with some job coaching? Is it in a transitional program? Is it you know, whatever the programs are offered? And right now, that's what I target. How do we target that? Well, I don't know if I'm biased or not on this, but as a speech pathologist, 
the social and emotional part trumps everything else. It really does. And so I can share with you this. My concept or my thought is this. If there was a Harry Potter wand and the kids were all given this and you were to tell the kids, okay, I want you to do a certain spell. And that spell, if you had this Harry Potter magic wand, we're able to get rid of the social difficulties you have or the academic difficulties you have. What would you like this magic wand to do? And I can guarantee you 100% the kids that I work with and the kids that are on IEPs would always say, I would like to get rid of my, my social difficulties and my emotional um, difficulties that I have. Really, that's how our kids become successful. And so from my world in my, my school of my, my field and my line of work is really working on the social and emotional components of, of everything. That's, that really is it. I stress this so much to parents. And you get some pushback on that. You and I chatted a little bit about that. Sometimes you get some pushback of like, well, we're supposed to be in school for, you know, our reading and our math. And if we can fit it in, maybe right. we'll get to our speech minutes or, you know, however it's written into the IEP in that way. And uh, you have a pretty powerful, you know, thought process on that's not how it should be. Right. Absolutely. I can share with you a story with some roundabout ways of doing it with for uh, FERPA and HIPAA stuff on stories, but I, I have experienced this where it has been told to me, Mr. Winger, my child's in AP honors uh, classes with AP CAM and AP government and this and that. So we're, we're going to put speech on hold. And I said, oh, I, I do want to stress the importance that even if it's for a short time, 30 minutes a week or whatnot, that this is going to be more important than the actual grade that the student's going to get because when they transition out and they move to college and then they go get this job, if they don't have the essential skills to relate with others, then, then we were up against a different battle. This student graduated and went to a really nice fancy college and lasted one year and had to drop out of the system for college because several things had occurred that related to the social part. Reflecting back on that, it was one of those things of the importance of these human connections, the importance of really regulating our thoughts, regulating our emotions, staying calm when we need to, not getting crazy in class when um, we get a B instead of an A, not flipping over desk in front of a professor and 250 other students, not being on a Zoom call when the teacher says something, we're trying to correct the teacher in the chat room by telling them, hey, tomorrow spell with one M and not two, you know, all of these things. <laughs> you know, some parent just shook their head and go, Oh, that's my kid. Oh, um, but but I, I, here's what I, I, I know that I have some parents specifically and even some special education teachers who you're naming off a lot of skills that go way beyond teaching articulation to a child. And there's so many times that I hear, well, you know, a child doesn't need speech because they have good articulation. Like they, and for those of you that aren't just, they say their words well, they, you can understand what they're saying. And now you're talking about SLP in a whole different role of, um, you know, making this whole social piece work. Can you like delve into that a little bit? Because some people just went, wait, a speech therapist can do that. So share a little bit about what that role looks like. Absolutely. Yeah. So especially as the kids transition and become 
as they get older and into the older grades, seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth. Let's talk about that. Kindergarten to sixth grade. I'm getting a little echo here. Sorry about that. Um, kindergarten to sixth grade. The, the kids and the students. Are you getting an echo by chance? No, we're fine. Okay. Let me turn my volume down so I'm not getting an echo. It's kindergarten to sixth grade, the students are kind of a herd of, of kids. They go at resource together. They have their little activities outdoors together. They have their reading time together for the most part, right? Then when they get to seventh grade, they have a dance, uh, you know, a Halloween dance. And then they have these little subgroups because the football flag football in kindergarten to the sixth grade format changes to this pop Warner where they're starting to find their groups. Right. And then the cheerleaders are starting to surface at that age and you get these groups. So right in seventh grade, you notice a big transition between the way the kids are expected to relate with their peers. It's kindergarten to sixth grade. We're working on their R's and S's. The kids with fluency disorders, we, we work on a different thing as they get older on growth mindset and being able to stay away from fear. But once we get to seventh grade and beyond, now we're looking at a whole different uh, element of, of how to target the students, which is the social part, right? How do we make sure that these kids aren't getting bullied every single day? How do we make sure that these kids aren't, you know, trying to constantly disrupt the teacher? How do we make sure that they are as best possible blending into the woodwork, right? Because if they don't, then they become, then they become an outcast or they become, um, you know, pushed away from their peers, which leads to them staying home. And then what ends up happening is they stay in their bedroom and become a bear in a cave. And when they become a bear in a cave, that's okay until they graduate high school because when a bear in a cave happens, when they graduate is a bear in a cave turns into depression. And that's what we really got to stay away from. So my role really is to work with these kids on, you know, to your, to answer your question is the social ability. How do we relate with others? How do we predict what might happen? How do we take the perspective of somebody else? So we're not looking like the odd person with our peers in class. It's really the most important thing. It, it really is. And here's the thing, uh, you know, each of us have a unique personality. I've got mine, you've got yours. We all figure out a way that we can be ourselves and also be who we need to be in certain situations. That's just part of life. We can act one way at work when we're in a classroom, another way when we're on a podcast, having a conversation, another way when we're hanging out with our family at, you know, at, a, at a family gathering, and then another way at home. And that's really what you're talking about is how do you adapt to all these different situations and make sure that they can access that's always my favorite word of how are they going to access their education or access a job or access further education or access even that job coach or whatever that's going to look like. And that requires us to have a really intentional purpose with our speech team at the school, with our social work team, with our um with our teaching team. So I know that you have been involved in a lot of high level cases. You've got a lot of experience in a lot of different ways. Uh, and we're going to have, we're going to, we're going to be back talking together about some of those really sticky Absolutely. situations. But what's one of the things that you're encouraging uh, the families that you're working with right now to really um, 
work on with their team to make sure that they stay out of the ugliness. And for, you know, sake of not being vague here, like there's a lot of parents that are like, we're going to throw the school under the bus. We're going to, you know, we're going to fight for every minute that has been lost in speech over the last six right. months with schools being done. We're going to fight for this. We're going to fight for that. We're going to make it happen. And there are things, there's a, there's a working relationship. There's different things that we could be doing right now and prioritizing and making that transition so we can move forward faster. Are there any specific data collection tools or activities that you're doing or home to school communication? Like what are some of those things? Gosh, that I, I'm going to be here for f the next 48 hours answering that. <laughs> Let's do it in a nutshell, though. So, yeah, I mean, regarding activities and what I do, I am huge, as you know, with my social media stuff, with visuals and videos. I use tons of clips from TV shows and movies and really hit home with making it fun for the students because that's how we motivate them have fun activities, not just handouts and PDFs from teachers pay teachers, right? We wanna make it fun and engaging. So, you know, I'll pull up brand new songs that are on the radio, some like hole in the bottle of the country song is like so perfect to talk about why it's really not a hole in the bottle. <laughs> um, and just fun stuff for the kids. There's a, a website called everydayspeech.com that has several hundred social skills videos that go from a range of um, your beginning communicators all the way up to your very high high um, working individuals um, who are working on um, inferencing and, and abstract language and all those kinds of things. So I love that website. I, I, I just love videos. Um, and, and so one, so now transitioning out a little bit for a parent strategy on how they can really help the students. I think this is a big one when we talk about social and emotional needs is to talk about and deal with the, what the kids are going through and talk about their needs. Oftentimes what happens is that we will end up not addressing their emotions. We'll just push it off. So let me give you an example. You know, what we, we say, okay, Johnny, I know that it's tough not being around your friends, but this will all be over soon and you'll be back to school next semester. Mm. We're not really talking about their needs. We're kind of avoiding it. It's like we if our broke up with somebody and we're like, you know what, just get over it. Jump back on Tinder or Bumble in a week and you'll find someone new. <laughs> we're not addressing their needs, their right? emotions. So what we do is we say, hey, I know that this happened. I know it's probably hard that you didn't deserve that. Like you literally talk about someone's emotions to get them through it. And then that's really how you deal with the growth mindset and really how you keep somebody moving along, right? So I think for parents, talking about their kids' emotions and addressing the emotions, not pushing off by saying, hey, I know it was a tough day, but you know what? In March, we're going to be back or whatever the case might be. Talk about the, that, that part of it. The second, the other thing that I would really stress on is the communication with the IEP team. And I know you're huge on this. I cannot tell you that that level of trust and the connection that you have with everybody on the team speaks so many numbers. And so let me share with you a story in my perspective and my, my concept. In 2011, we had 9-11 happen. Prior to 9-11, when I would go to Los Angeles Airport, LAX, it took me 20 minutes 
it took everybody 20 minutes to get through the airports. And most of your listeners right now or, or viewers watching this are going to go, yeah, I remember a time where it only took 20 minutes to get on an airplane. Right. Like you could load up your bottles of water into your backpack and just go flying through, run into the gates. You could pick up your friend right at the gate. Like you had, you had easy access. Life was good. Yes. <laughs> I was like, hey, I got plenty of time to hang out inside of the airport and enjoy <laughs> yeah, a, a drink inside the airport. So here's the deal, though. So we trusted the system, we trusted the security, we trusted the airlines. But when 9/11 hit, what happened? From that moment until present day, and for the rest of our lives, we now are apprehensive at times because we're not 100% trustworthy of the system. We get to security, we don't trust other people sometimes, and so now it takes an hour and a half sometimes too to get through these lines, right? The same with an IEP. I love if that. You break trust at any point with anybody on the team for anything, even if it's little, it's really hard to go back. It's really hard to get everybody on board. And I, and I can't stress this enough for every single member, parents, SLPs, uh, occupational therapists, administrators, everybody, we're a team. And it's so important from day one to have that trust. And so, um, and we make mistakes. Trust doesn't mean that you're perfect. Trust doesn't mean that you don't mess up. Trust just means that you're transparent and you own it. it just, right. Things go wrong. Just own it. You know what? I made mistakes as a teacher. I own it. And I become a better teacher, become a better SLP, become a better you know, parent for your child at the IEP table. Own it. If you ask for something and then you decided it, mm, maybe I was asking for something that wasn't quite right. Like, own it and then let's move on and and, and build, keep building that trust in there. Um, but I love that analogy because you just went from the whole, like it could be a 30 minute IEP meeting or it could be three IEP meetings to get to the same result with that. Absolutely. You know, the ones that are the, the multiple ones where you have to reconvene and they be, ended up taking a long time. You know, we are human. And there are errors. I've made many errors. I will share with you this. The errors that I've made have made me a stronger SLP. The advocates that have come in that have really kind of grinded things have made me a stronger SLP because I'm definitely crossing my T's, dotting my I's, making sure I know the law. I look at everything as a good thing. Everything that happens to you in your life, everything that happens to you in an IEP is a good thing. If you're in a meeting for five hours, good. Some because people just rolled their eyes. Okay, you guys, like, go back and listen to it again. <laughs> like, listen to that piece again, because that is good advice. It's, it's If you're having a huge struggle, that's okay, because you're going to know how to get through it, right? You're going to have that experience. If everything was easy, if IEPs were easy every time, you're not growing. You're not learning anything new. You're not making better goals. You're not making more progress. You're not really <laughs> oh i'll share one with you here so like so i'll have people tell me all the time like nah i don't need to join you in the special education inner circle because my team always says says yes so the special education inner circle is a private membership group to continue the conversations that we have on the podcast right so we have the podcast and we're like if you like this so if you guys are like yeah i like this but i want to dig deeper in the conversation you join the special education inner circle and they'll say i don't want to do that because my team says yes and i said well then you're not asking for enough. You're not growing in what you're asking for. Right. You need to keep asking until you get to a no. And that's not just for parents. That's for teachers too. If you're asking sure. for things and your, your administration's like, yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. Don't get excited. Say what else? What, what else, else? Do you ask for? <laughs> Look at, we're best friends right now. 
<laughs> we, we just became best friends. I love it. When I struggle and I have those failures, I think to myself that failure is growth in wolves' clothing. Failure is growth in wolves' clothing. That's how it works. I don't mind if I fail. We've heard we've heard this time and time again. You fail and you 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 get up and you become stronger. Um, when you're not asking questions or you're not reaching out like the special ed inner circle, you're not growing. You got to be part of these things. You've got to constantly learn and ask questions and become part of these organizations and these groups that you that 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 are out there. You know, really, that's that's exactly how we make our lives purposeful and meaningful. If I, I sat around that. and everything was easy, now I'm not finding purpose in my life and I'm not doing what my dad told me was the number one thing in life, helping others who need help the most. And you know who needs the help the most are the ones who really have the most services and the, and and the in a good way. Mm-hmm. And, but I'm learning, you know, other therapies and how can I best help when I'm with this child? And I'm so I'm constantly learning. That's what the world of IEPs are about and just education in general is a constant opportunity to grow. Let me, let me tell you this, when the world shut down and education became online, we had two ways of thinking about it. Oh crap, I don't know what I'm doing on Zoom calls. People are gonna see how I'm, I'm teaching. I don't know how to do technology. Or we could say, here's an opportunity that's gonna be a challenge, but at the end of it, I'm going to have a better technology skills. I'm going to probably be better organized. I'm going to have better communication with my parents through emails, through Canvas, through phone calls, whatever it might be. This was meant to be. This is going to make us so much stronger. I love it. So like I'm using this as the biggest platform, like the biggest like trigger point to say, all right, can we get rid of all of the IEP goals that are getting a child ready for the 1980s? Like have we, <laughs> like, like, can we just, admit that, that some of these goals going forward are completely irrelevant. They're not going, they didn't matter before all of this happened, but if you step back and look, they definitely don't matter that we purpose and meaningful. That's what we need. That's what we need. So yeah, no more um, student will be able to find a payphone and put in the correct name. <laughs> <laughs> student will be able to, to flip through a phone book to find out how to get <laughs> How to connect a taxi service. Everybody's worried. (laughs) You know, oh my gosh, like my child can't go do their life skills and practice in the grocery store. Okay, why? Because we're all shopping online. Okay, so now what should your child be learning to do? You know, if this is how we're shopping, what do we need to do? This is what we got to do. So, all right. So, oh my goodness, we could, we're going to have to definitely chat again because we could go on and on and on. Here's what I love. And I do want to, I, you know, I didn't know that you were going to say the whole, you know, help the people who need the most help and with that. And I'm thinking, gosh, what a game changer that would be if everybody who listened here decided to be that person at the IEP table. They were just that person that sat there and said, who needs the most help? Maybe it's the teacher that's listening right now that's going to go, you know what, at the next IEP table, when I see that parent struggling, I'm going to help the parent or the the SLP who's struggling because their caseload's too big and whatever that the teacher's going to lean over and help the speech therapist and make sure because it feels like such a we're all on our own. And of all things in your role of communication and speech and and just um, community, that's what I hear as a common theme for you is community. You're building a community for the students. You're building them into the community. That's what we need. Absolutely. A hundred percent. That's 
You nailed it right there. Always supporting others, always trying to help those who have need the most. This is the deal right here. You want to live a life that when you die, the world cries. You yes. make an impact. That's it, right? Yep, yep. you have That's to make an impact. I tell myself when I wake up and jump in my pool at 5 a.m. every morning. Oh my goodness. Uh, oh my goodness. No, no, not going to. Well, you're in California, so I guess so. But uh, no, <laughs> so, but yeah, we have to get it. We have to make change. We can't accept the status quo. We have to decide to be intentional about our efforts. I'm going to make sure that um, in the show notes here that everybody has access to where they can follow you on social media, where they can reach out. I know that you have several resources for your colleagues that they can and um, connect with you and learn from you. I'm sure um, that you're going to have a following of parents right now. They're going to say like, I'm like, why can't you work in my school? Like I need Chris on my team. So um, you're going to have to figure out how to clone yourself uh, and do that. So is there, is there any other way that parents should reach out to you or, or reach, you know, um, is it through the Instagram DMs? Like what's the best way for people to connect with you? You know what? So in the next week or so I've, been building a lot of activities, free resources for the social skills at speechdude.com. Right now, okay. there's just a little area that pops up quickly that's uh, a, a way to subscribe to my email list. My, my school of thought on that is that I'm going to keep it to real simple on emails, but just effective strategies and ways to help parents and some literally go-to things that I, I typically do on my Instagram, which are just videos, but how can we learn from these videos? We can Absolutely. really learn a lot from when other people don't do the right thing. We can go, okay, we're gonna use that as an activity. Absolutely. <laughs> so yes, Speechdude.com, got that. You mentioned another website that I'm gonna put down there too. That's for the social stories um, that I'm gonna put underneath there too. Of course, if you guys want to continue the conversation and talk about all of these strategies, come on over to specialedinnercircle.com. That's where we continue the conversation and we make sure that you're getting what you need. And the special education inner circle is not limited to a certain role on the IEP team. We have too much of people being split on the IEP team. So the special education inner circle is for every parent, teacher, admin therapist who wants to be a change maker in special education. That's where it starts. So Chris, thank you for being here with us today. Absolutely. I had such a great time. Thank you for having me on as a guest. Super oh, you're fun. so welcome. I can't wait to chat with you again. And to everyone, we'll talk to you soon.